0: Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Final hour of the show. We're going to have Matt Leon echoing Matt Catrillo. That'll be interesting. And we're going to have, on the Eagles, by the way, and Mark Wagenrich in a few moments from SI.com on Penn State football. But first, our play-by-play call of the day, Tyree Kill. Sunday night making an absolutely amazing catch that the officials originally didn't believe second another sellout blitz long throw for the end zone Tyreek Hill can't make the catch as soon as the ball was in his hands it's knocked away at the end by A.J. Boye incomplete he'll had two steps on Boye the corner and the throw was going long and Tyreek Hill trying to track it and Boye able to knock it out just at the last second did the Chiefs have a touchdown they maybe should have challenged yeah, as the ball was being punted, they showed the replay on the big screen, and the entire crowd here at Arrowhead is going, what's going on here? The ball bobbled, and it never looked like it hit the ground. It looked like Tyreek Hill, who initially had the drop, may have caught it, but the Chiefs didn't catch it to be able to replay. Everybody got it wrong. Everybody got it. The officials got it wrong. The coaching staff got it wrong. The announcers got it wrong. All right. It turned out they punted, so no touchdown, but he caught it. It was actually a touchdown. Oh well. Uh all right. With that, we bring in Mark Welgenrich from SI.com. Mark, always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. As always appreciate it, Steve. Thanks. All right. Um the I was telling people earlier that I went down to get the media meal in a box. Nice box though. And I that meant you had to go outside the press box to get it. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in the conditions based on the plan Penn State put together, how did the plan fit the conditions?
1: It, it was awful in the press box, too. There was a door open to the press box. I was uh. like, can you please close it? Because it's miserable inside. So, I can't even imagine <laughs> how, how bad it was outside. I, I don't, sometimes that kind of stuff doesn't come across on TV well. And because right. of the, it wasn't raining. Because at least it had stopped raining, kind of yes. maybe in that first half, I mean, people you know get the sense that it's really not that bad. Um, I saw the producer before I came on. There was an American flag in that one end zone that just yeah. did not stop whipping the yep. entire game. It was
0: starched. So
1: yeah, it really was. So I, I remember after the game, Sean Clifford said, "You know, there were there were times where the wind would would die down and we could throw, and there were other times when I had trouble handling a snap." So it moved in waves for the game too. So I think under those situ under those like that circumstance and situations, when you have a team that's turning the ball over as much as Penn State has this season and you want to mitigate that in wind and you know in tough conditions and you saw Devin Ford have trouble with the opening kickoff under wet football. Yep. Yeah. why well, you know, why why take the risk? Yeah, it wasn't pretty and it wasn't, you know it wasn't the most creative offensive show, but it was a game plan that worked.
0: Exactly. And I think that if you're there, you understood why you mm-hmm. had to go about your business the way you did. Because uh, Jack Ham and I made a big deal on every kick as to which direction mm-hmm. the win was. And, you know, there was one, there was a punt, for example, I think that uh, the Dotson let skip by and go to the two, that was the one that went yeah. to the two yard line. But there's no way he can feel that punt, Mark, because of the conditions. It, it, yeah, it, and I remember,
1: yeah. yeah. I remember watching him on that punt and he looked absolutely confident that was going into the end zone. He just didn't, yep. it did not appear even to face him. And then I think he probably turned around and went, oh, wait, what? What just happened? I, you know, that uh, in the other side, the other end of the field, I mean, you could just see him you know, trying to field punts and, you know, he had to do it a lot. He just, he, you know, his, his feet were constantly moving yep. and, you know, he just didn't, it just, just, he did not look comfortable doing that. So I, you know, I got the sense of the discussion in the press boxes, you know, why is Will Levis running 17 times well, you know? And, you know, time, yeah. date, and place, I kind of got it there, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> then there's the defense. I thought the sequence yeah. that told me everything about Penn State's defensive performance was the one where Penn State did turn it over on the plus side of the field, and then three plays later, Rutgers was punting from its side of the field. I thought that was about the way they played defense most of the day.
1: Yeah, and I think didn't they, did they not lose yardage? If I remember correctly, they ended up losing yardage on that series.
0: Yeah, the whole I series, see- that's they, why they were punting yeah. from their right, own yeah, side right, of the right,
1: field. Yeah. I thought, you know, the Rutgers going for it the first time, I thought, Rutgers, you know, maybe, you know, uh, this is probably a good good smart move for them. They've been pr- pretty creative. And um Langen didn't know where to go on that the very first one. Uh, I think it was Mustford maybe on the stop. Yeah. You know, but those they're inside the defensive tackles thought that did a nice job. The second time I thought, well, you you saw what happened the first time and it didn't go well for you and that and so I tried to throw out of it and just, and you know, Brandon Smith was all over Langan on that play. Yeah. You know, he just he was fortunate to get away um with having a receiver kind of you know, mingling in the area of of where he threw the ball, I thought that was their better, probably their best defensive game of the year. And I, I and I got a response from people. It look at it his Rutgers. It was like, yeah, look at his Rutgers. You know, that's averaging 17 more points a game than they were last year. I mean, this is not this season to, uh, to Saturday. This is not the Rutgers offense that we had seen last year. They were kind of high flying. I mean, they're putting up 30 a game. They put up, you know. Yeah, you know, big numbers. You know, thirty-seven. I guess against Purdue at a nice, you know, comeback day. You know, put up points against Ohio State, and they shut them down pretty much, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Even the touchdown, the kind of that cross body. I thought that was a you know a ball that could have been batted down in the end sure. zone, and that was just a 50 fifty-fifty ball that they they came up with. That really, you know, it was that close to being a shutout.
0: And yeah, not only that, uh, I don't think people realize that the team that actually held them to their lowest point total all year had been Illinois with 20. Mm-hmm. Year, so that that's the lowest point total they'd given that they'd scored all year was 20. Now they lost that game 23-20, but I mean even as you mentioned against Ohio State, they scored points. It's Saturday they really weren't except for that one drive on the short field, they weren't close to scoring points.
1: No, not on a 12, what, 12 first downs, about 200 yards of offense. They just, they weren't going anywhere. So I think, you know, as once you got into the second half, the condition it was still windy, even though it was, you know, the sun was kind of peeking out, it was still windy. Yeah. And I, you know, I I thought it made sense, James Franklin, afterwards. saying it without saying it. So look, we, you know, he really didn't say this, but I'm sure he was thinking we did not think our defense was really going to be in a position to give up three scores. Uh, And and really kind of let them into the game. So if we're just going to play station to station and protect the football, which is, you know, I keep going back to that, but I think you've mentioned on your show before, too. That's been, was the, I think, an overwhelming factor um, of those first five games. And Penn State is still. Even at this point, I think they're still last in the, in the Big Ten internal margin. Um,
0: they're minus, they're, mi- yeah, they're Yeah, they're mi- minus nine. Yeah,
1: I believe they're tied with Michigan State coming up yeah. this week. And Indiana, I, I just looked earlier today. Indiana's at plus ten. You know, the disparity is huge. So when you have an offense that start winging the ball around and and you know you know trying stuff and and getting a little loose with it. That's when you give. I think mean, that's when you would give Raptors opportunities, and they right. did. And, you know, they did what, the, like as you said, you know, the fumble, the fumble that did it. So,
0: yeah, it's not just minus nine giveaway takeaway. You're minus thirty nine points off takeaways, fifty no. eight for the opponent and, and ni- nineteen for you. So you're minus thirty nine. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, and you look at what's Penn State minus for the season towards the total points. It's probably pretty close to that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, so it's, that's a big part of it. What did you think of uh, of uh, the, the three running backs? I mean, Holmes was late, but Lee and Ford, how well do they work with that offensive line, and what did you think of the tight ends?
1: The, some of the tight end line, that's something that I just don't notice that often, but this game I really did. I thought Johnson and Strange, yeah. you see him out front and go, okay, that was, a, that was a kind of a nice tight end block on that on that run. Uh, hey, that was another nice tight end block on that run. Yeah. It, I, it looked like Lee, you know, they, they, were, they were getting out of the backfield so that they were actually getting into a spot where they could make some of their moves and do some of the things. Lee continued that, you know, backed up at the two-yard line. That's a situation where you're in a bit of a bind. You know, they're late in the game. Maybe yeah. you get a flip you know, that's a situation where you're probably thinking, we don't want to do anything stupid and let Rutgers back, you know, into swinging distance. And, and he, you know, he just bailed him out right away with one of his better runs of the season. I thought that 31 yard, it was a really nice run down the sideline. He put a lot of moves together and Devin Ford, you know, coming out of a family tragedy and missing last week's game. It looked like he was running with a lot of purpose too. I think, you know, what they've had to do with that backfield just week to week to week, um, this season, I think they're going to come out of it with, you know, with probably, I mean, you know, still more questions than they would have, you know, anticipated, yeah. you know, depending on, you know, Noah Kane and how he's able to rebound from next year, but you're coming out of it again. I think you like the, again, you like the four guys you're going to come back with. Um, Next year,
0: we uh, you talked about the quarterback runs, Mark. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Sean Clifford's performance? And then also, what did you think about Will Levis and how he ran the ball?
1: Will Levis always runs the ball well. I, at some point, you're going to want to see him throw. And you know, situa- I'm sure they probably would have without the situations there, but I that to me is a, that's a package that needs to be expanded on with Sean Clifford, I was interested in, to hear him say after the game that he thought, um, he managed the game well, and you don't hear Sean Clifford say stuff like true, that. That's true. Um, you know, and he, you know, he actually acknowledged hey, I was trying to do too many things. I was trying to do too much. I was trying, you know, these are plays I, I know I can make and I just wasn't making them. So I think he felt like this was a game that situationally under those conditions that he had to, you know, dial himself back. So he, some of those rollouts, he looked—you know—he looked good on. He he was firing a little high. I think that that seems to be one of his misses. Maybe that high hard pass. Yeah. On Saturday, that's a, that was a tough catch. It led to the—you know—I think it led to his interception. But for him to be at this point, after what he's gone through, to be able to be able to acknowledge that he can be a game manager yeah. and then rebuild back from there is an important step for him
0: yeah there's another part to it too. I mean, you do have to know who you're throwing to on a play like that. Yeah, throwing mm-hmm. high with all due respect, throwing high to Isaac Lutz, it's not like throw, mm-hmm. it's not like if you're throwing that ball to Mike say Mike Gazicki, in years gone by, that's actually right in the sweet spot. Isaac right. Isaac's not a tall receiver, and I think that was just one where he misjudged, you know, in terms of where he threw it, but I think he also misjudged who he was throwing it to.
1: Yeah, and I think I saw a clip from yesterday with Mike Kosicki just going up, you know, yeah. catching a ball probably about three feet above his head, and I don't know that you know Sean just doesn't have that. I don't see that on his offense, and yeah. he knows that. But I think maybe maybe the wind too probably had something to do with it in his mind that he's got to board these throws through the uh, wind so they don't sail on him, so he's trying to get them on a rope, and you know that, that kind of thing happens. But he didn't get out of he got out of his own way. I think was probably the most important thing.
0: When you had an opportunity, we always get a chance, we do, to talk to James Mm -hmm. and then two players. You have more of a wide range of people to talk to or hear from than we do when the game is over. Mm -hmm. So did you get a sense of where their confidence level is right now because they've put together back-to-back performances like that?
1: It seems to be incrementally going up, especially with the defensive guys. One of the thing one of the things that James Franklin said, and I think some of the, the 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 defensive players echoed it is this is the kind of game that we've you know, for James Franklin this is the kind of game we played for six years. Those are like the defensive plays that we've made. Mm-hmm. We got after plays, you know, we we, we chase guys down. There was a great play that Jason Owe made. Um chased yeah. a the guy down on the sideline. I was like I was uh, watching that going, that's a that's kind of what micah used to do you know that was and that's just and that was very noticeable to me because you didn't see that this year there's no Micah on the field but i thought that's the kind of play that we had seen so i them being able to put that together for you know two weeks in a row the fourth down stops two weeks in a row um you know brandon smith making i guess brandon smith making um that fourth down play to basically force the throw away daquan hardy um the blitz that he timed together there perfectly. You see, I think you see them getting, uh, you know, the wheels kind of moving back mm-hmm. in that direction that they feel like this is what, this is what we, you know, this is the way we know how to play. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why they don't, you know, why it took this long. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reasons that went into, pre- you know, the preparation time, but. You know, if you get it for the next two weeks, you know who knows what you could do um, with right. that You know, in, in late December in a potential ballgame.
0: Uh, let me ask you about uh, Juice Scruggs for a moment. Again, I'm following the ball, but you know, there are certain things you can pick up on. Because late in the game, Caden Wallace was not out there. So Juice was playing right guard, and they had him out there with Will Fries. And, of course, when they've gone with the sixth offensive mm-hmm. lineman, he's the sixth guy. What have you just seen... When you can look at a replay, look at him live, what are you seeing that makes him into a potentially effective guy moving forward?
1: He's really athletic. He just seems like he moves really well for being a big lineman. I don't – I mean, especially at guard, he seems like he gets out aggressive, good movement, good feet, that sort of thing, and I'm no way an offensive line expert whatsoever. Um, and this kind of stuff I don't notice maybe first – um, first run through, but I, you know, looking at replays, like he's been very noticeable over the past, yeah. you know, month ish. And honestly, for me personally, it's really good to see because he's a guy I interviewed, in, you know, in the preseason, um, you know, way back in May and he hadn't played football in basically two years, know. you know, having had gone through the whole last, you know, last year with the, you know, the rehab and stuff like that. And, you know, telling me stories about driving around campus on a scooter and, you know, he's got a back brace and, you know, he's very positive the whole time. But, you know, it will stick in the back of your mind. Is this something that will end it? So for him to be, I mean, not even, you know, he's, it's going to take time, I think, for him to get back into a place where he is, you know, that that full-on offensive lineman that they recruited. I remember, I think James Franklin said in that state title game, when he was at Erie Cathedral Prep, but he was the best player on the field. Yeah, um, about three years ago, I guess it was now. So for him to be now in the in a ro- move himself back into the rotation where he's that guy, and then next year potentially as a starter, he looks to me to be kind of fulfilling that what they saw um, of him in high school. Definitely.
0: Also, there's another part. You know, the, anybody who's not around the team can make certain assumptions. What does it tell you about after watching the last couple of weeks about the continued buy-in by everybody that that's going on? Because obviously the outside noise was not favorable to them.
1: The and that's that's exponentially bigger this year because of COVID. That they've had to buy in not just to you know every program's got to buy into the coach and coaching staff and administration everything in the word culture. Everybody's got their own sense of what they can, what they say to be culture. But this year that had to be, it's even, even a bigger, you know, just a bigger factor because now your culture is driving how you um, address protocols in, 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 uh, in virus pre- prevention and protection and avoidance. And when you get to the point of where you're your you're 0 and five, I think, you know it's it honestly it surprised me when those numbers come out every wednesday that they just started, didn't start creeping up i think right. since no five they've actually been creeping down yes. and again that's an athletic the full athletic department picture but then last week it was about 1100 tests with according to Penn State to um positive test results right where where you see i mean this is not even a daily occurrence in college basketball football i mean it's hourly I, right. just, I just saw another email, you know, about forty-five minutes ago. That was from Wisconsin Hockey saying they've suspended, yeah. uh, basically, for the rest of the twenty-nine or twenty-twenty. I think their last four games of, the, of this year, calendar year, because of COVID and other injuries. So this is cross-cutting everywhere, and yeah. for you know, and for Penn State at zero and five, not to you, for you not to see numbers trickle, you know, trickle up, and for you know, practice not to be suspended. I I'm, you know, I think in the Big Ten East they're the only program, as far as I know, that hasn't suspended, you know, publicly suspended practice at some point um, since like August. I think oh, every other program has done it right. at some point, and and they haven't. That that really points to buy-in, uh, I, I think, from players as much as anything does.
0: Mark, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much, my friend.
1: Yeah, thanks to you too, Steve.
0: Mark Wagenrich, SI.com. And SI is so lucky, so fortunate to have a guy of that quality writing for them. He does a great job covering Penn State football. A lot more to come. We'll talk more about that as the week goes along. We'll have Neil Coolong on the show tomorrow on the Steelers. And in the next half hour, we'll shift gears to the Eagles. It's amazing. I've got a feeling that Matt Leon in Philadelphia – Sounds a lot like Matt Catrillo in Sunbury when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. All brought to you by Sunbury Motors here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back, final half hour of the show. Penn State basketball tonight, Big Ten ACC Challenge. They'll take on Virginia Tech at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. Dick Girardi and I will be on from. Blacksburg beginning at 8.30 tonight. 9 o'clock will be the tip-off. Virginia Tech comes in at 4-0, and including a victory over Villanova and the Nittany Lions. And they haven't played, by the way, since Thursday when they beat VMI, although they struggled to beat VMI. Penn State comes in at 2-1. A game really you feel like they lost on Sunday night. Uh, in other words, when I mean lost, I mean you look at a game – and I'd say nine times out of ten, you feel like the team that won the game won. It's just the way it goes. Your team may not have won, but the other team won the game. It just kind of felt like this was one that Penn State lost the other night to Seton Hall. They come in at 2-1. Seton Hall won the game 98-92 to 92 in overtime. So, Virginia Tech tonight, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, that will be at 9 o'clock tonight, 8.30. The air time the Big Ten opener will be on Sunday at Michigan. No surprise, it's on the road. It'll be the fourth straight year on the road for Penn State to open the Big Ten season and the tenth time in the last 11 years. <laughs> uh, the Big Ten hates when I point out facts. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online At SunburyMotors.com, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. You can't ask for better new product lines than that. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous. And not only that, it's the holiday season, and they have great deals for the holidays. A great time to buy. Interest rates are terrific as well. They have great pre-owned inventory. I mean, a wide array, a great selection of pre-owned inventory. And... It gets the Sunbury Motors guarantee on top of it. That seal of approval means a lot. Sales staff great, service department second to none, and it's all at Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The Eagles, at one point, were in first place in the NFC East. Yeah, albeit you know, with three wins, they were in first place. But you felt when they got that third win that a couple of the tumblers were starting to fall into place as they were trying to open the safe to get to the promised land. And then all of a sudden the wheels have come off the wagon. Carson Wentz has really struggled. The offensive line isn't playing well at all. They don't have a receiver that helps. The tight ends are terrific, but they don't have a wide receiver that makes a difference at all. They didn't draft a difference maker in Jalen Rager, which I knew on day one they didn't. I know you're going to throw a lot of confidence in Jalen Hurts. That's fine. That means that you're a better person than I am. And defensively, their front their front four is really, really good. Back seven does not scare any offense out there. It's been a tough ride for the Eagles. With that, we bring in Matt Leon from Philadelphia, who's on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon. Matt, welcome. Great to have you with us.
2: Good to be with you.
0: Well, I mean, it felt like it was under the category of, all right, we got to do something, so let's just do this.
2: Yeah, I think I was just – what they'd been doing basically all season with this was just silly. You know, put Hurts out there every fourth series and let him run one play and then he doesn't come back in. You know, and I just was of the idea of either play him or don't. Like, let's start to learn something or – don't. And, you know, he played pretty well. He made some mistakes, but he made some some big plays. He made a a beautiful touchdown throw to Greg Ward. Um, Gave him a little bit of a spark, which is what I think Doug Peterson was looking for, but uh, you know, they're they're not a good team. Like, we can deconstruct this, and Lord knows there's going to be plenty of chum for talk radio, (laughs) you know, with, with the quarterback thing, but they're just... You watch that game, and... You watch the Packers on offense, and I know Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, you know, top five all-time, but everything looks so easy. Everything looks like it's supposed to happen. You watch the Eagles on offense, and they have to work so hard just to put first downs together.
0: Yeah, that's
2: true. Everything seems slow. A lot of things seem nonsensical. You don't see them building on anything. You know, they have success twice now They've in recent weeks. Yesterday and in the Cleveland game, they had a ton of success on, like, their first drive running the football, taking the air out of the ball. Right. And, the, you know, Miles Sanders had the fumble in Cleveland. They got a field goal in Green Bay. And then they completely went away from that. And no one seems to have an answer as to why. And so they, they don't have an identity. They don't have talent. They're old. And now they've got a quarterback controversy, which I might add, completely of their own making. Yes. Completely. Yes. Self-inflicted.
0: So when Hertz got in there, I mean, look, he's a rookie. He's going to make a ton of mistakes. How did he do? Because I didn't get a chance to see, Matt, because I had a basketball game last night, so I didn't quite get it. What's
2: that like? I missed that. Uh
0: it's really great because they play with this round ball and two hoops at each end. And if you're really far away, they give you three points. <laughs>
2: um, to your Hurts question, I mean, he made a couple plays with his legs. Uh, the touchdown to Greg Ward was a legit great throw. He he threw him open. Um, but, you know, to look at both sides there, even though the Eagles they get the touchdown award and then they get the pump return and they kinda of backdoored their way into this. When he came in it was not a competitive game. Yes, it was only I don't know, what was it, twenty one to twenty four to three, twenty one to three. Yeah. Uh but it was it felt like it was eighty to three. So you didn't get Green Bay defense, you know, coming from all angles. Uh obviously Green Bay hadn't schemed for him. Uh, so I think you want to take some success with a little bit of a grain of salt, but I mean, it was something to build on and it was something, it was the first legitimate jolt of excitement, the 15 minutes, uh, from when Hertz comes in to when they return the punt that I think Eagles fans have had in weeks where you actually enjoyed the game and were, were curious to with what you were seeing. Wow.
0: Uh, okay. So you get, uh, into a situation like this, Peters got hurt. This this goes to the age part. I mean, I know he's collecting checks. I know he wanted more money to play left tackle. He can't play anymore.
2: No, he's not effective when he's out there. No. Hall of Famer, get the gold jacket ready. Yeah, but it's time to to move on. I don't know if, if you just want to let him go. If you want to see if, uh, but it's just it's it's. It's serving nobody. It's serving nobody on any level. And I don't quite understand, well, I do quite understand uh, why they've been over backwards to accommodate him because they've had a lot of guys get hurt. And right. But it's it's just a bad situation. Yeah, I, I didn't really, it, one of the few bright lights has been Jordan Mulata. And his development as tackle, yeah. and when they moved Peters to tackle and benched Mulata, they they've done that on a couple of with a couple of guys where it's a team going nowhere, a season going nowhere, and yet they have gone out of their way to put veterans blatantly on the downside of their career ahead of young developing talent. You see the wide receiver with Travis Fulgham, who is persona non grata now, but Alshon Jeffries out there. You know, running a five six forty, trying to to catch out routes. It, it's it's counterproductive. It's irrational. It, uh, you know, and you see the result. Like this isn't an accident. Like it, this is what you get.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is what you get. Uh, and defensively. Uh, I thought there's certain elements they did okay with Rodgers and those guys, but you're right. I mean, the defensive front is fine. It's it's the back the back seven guys are really struggling.
2: Yeah, they they don't make plays, and I, how many? You probably had me on a loop saying they don't make plays, and they get yeah. pressure on the quarterback, and they for the most part they play the run pretty well, but they get the two touchdowns, they get the touchdown pass by Hurts. they get the punt return, and then the Eagles get the ball back, can't move anywhere, and they punt. And they've still got timeouts, and they just need to hold Green Bay one more time. And they give up a seventy-seven-yard touchdown run where uh-huh. they miss one hundred and four tackles with the game on the line. That's like a,
0: that's a big number.
2: Yeah, like it, <laughs> it. It. I just can't get too excited. I about the defense, you know, and people, and they're right. They they played pretty well, but. You can count on one hand the number of plays they've made that have really, really affected games, and most of those have been against bad quarterbacks. You know, they they, they did very little to disrupt Aaron Rodgers. If the Packers needed forty-five points to score to win that game yesterday, the 45. Packers could have scored forty-five points. Like I, the Eagles did some good things, but at no point. Did you feel like the defense was close to taking over that game At, on any level? That was in Aaron Rodgers was doing what Aaron Rodgers wanted and needed to do.
0: Uh, very quickly, before I get to another couple of other Eagles topics, what do you think of what the Giants have done? Uh, you know, they don't have their starting quarterback. They go into Seattle. they've won what three games in a row. They're five and seven now, like five and yeah, seven they're... five and seven's creeping toward like semi-respectability.
2: Yeah, not just Tennessee East respectability, real life respectability. Like
0: like actual like I'm a football <laughs> yeah. team respectability.
2: Yeah, they you know, they they playing well. They played well when they beat the Eagles up in North Jersey. Um I think they are clearly the best team in this division now. Um you know, and you gotta give pro- props to the new coach Judge, who yeah. uh, is obviously building something. Uh, and they're doing it, like you mentioned, without the quarterback. Oh, by the way, they had Saquon Barkley too. They haven't had him in weeks, so oh. they're doing it. You know, well, you, you got to give a lot of respect. And uh, I don't know how good they are in the big picture, no. but yeah. but you know, they're they're playing their best football when they need to, and they're ascending, which I don't think you can really say about anybody else in this division.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I give him a lot of credit, give him props. Yeah, uh, we'll see what the Steelers do with the, with uh, Washington coming up. Obviously, it's the other teams in contention here. So for Philadelphia, uh, they're not going to get a top pick. Uh, so the idea of you can get Trevor Lawrence or you can get Justin Fields that's off the board in all likelihood, unless they make a trade because they traded up to get Wentz. What do you do?
2: I I think. You can't do anything at a quarterback. Like, I hear people, I heard a discussion on an Eagles post-game show about the quarterback and should they draft another one in the first round. They can't. 20% of their salary cap is, is Carson Wentz. Committed to one guy, yes. And, and they spent a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, and he's played 50 downs in the NFL. And not to mention, they're paying Nate Sudfeld a million dollars to do who knows what. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't. <laughs> Who's going to, nobody's going to, like, I don't, like, you can't. That, that's the absurdity of all absurdities. Like, you, this is who you're dancing with, whether you like it or not. You. This is all of your making. You're the ones that decided to give Wentz the 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 extension. You're the ones that nonsensically thought, after doing that, you know what, the best thing to do is undermine our quarterbacks, like taking another one in the second round, like, I have zero sympathy for this, but the idea, I think, that they're going to go get another one, I, you know, I, I just where? What are you going to do with Wentz? If you cut him, his cat number is like twice what it is. If you keep him on the roster, he's here, and I think he's the guy. Like, I, whether you like it or not, I can't imagine you're going to pay $35 million for a guy to carry a clipboard. They are completely and utterly stuck. And once again, nobody to blame but themselves. This is not, you know, unfortunate injuries. This is not, you, you know, somebody you, you signed as an undrafted free agent who's caught lightning in a bottle and now has presented you with, a, with a, a situation. You could have avoided all of this by either not extending Carson Wentz, and to be fair, I don't know how realistic that was at the time, or here's an idea – Don't draft a quarterback in the second round. Instead, why don't you fill one of the nine other glaring holes you have on your roster? It just absurd. Absurd and arrogant is the two words that constantly run through my mind when I think about this situation.
0: So you're saying they can't.
2: Nah, I am firmly in that camp. <laughs> I
0: just want to make sure I had you quoted accurately. You
2: but, I mean, I was, there, I was listening to a discussion where people were t- – and I'm like, I don't see it as – it's not a realistic possibility. No, it's not. I, I don't – you can only do that if you're going to move Carson – move on from Carson Wentz. I
0: think, and, I think if I had to pick a guy that, it, like, you tell me, like, based on the draft position, and even if I had to trade up a little bit to get him, but a guy like Penny Sewell from Oregon – Mm-hmm. Right, the offensive lineman. I think you got to start there. I think you got to start up front in the trenches. Uh, I could
2: make. I could probably go in a million different directions. I could argue the desperate need for a playmaker in the back seven of the defense. Mm-hmm. Someone who can turn a game around. Right. I can make a. I can make an argument for desperately needed offensive weapon. Someone that that can't be covered by one person. Right. You know, I mean, See, I, I, think, I kind you, of think I, they've got that in Miles Sanders, and yeah. this is another – they kind of refuse to give him the ball. Right. Like, I don't – Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you can get that guy you're talking about in the second round because mm-hmm. there are a lot of receivers out there. I mean, I'm sorry. There's a dime a dozen. The Eagles will
2: find a way to oh. draft the one that can't play, though. Right.
0: I mean, that's one <laughs> thing about it's one thing about why receivers the one position where it's a dime a dozen thing. You can get some guys that can just legit play in this league in the second and third round. I mean, in fact, we're going to watch a team tonight. (laughs) Okay. We're going to watch a team tonight in the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Yeah, but but to your point.
0: Claypool's a first-round pick. The others aren't.
2: To to your point, you have to have confidence in the organization's drafting ability. Yeah, And, you know, this is a team that took J.J. Ortega Whiteside over T.K. Metcalf. I know. And that's not the only... There's a lot of examples on both sides of the ball. You know, another one of the reasons they're in the, the the predicament they they're in is just terrible drafting. Yeah, and you know, like, and another, you know, we talked about Miles Sanders being the one guy on offense that's explosive. I think he had ten carries yesterday.
1: Right.
2: Jordan Howard, who they signed off the scrap heap and elevated from the practice squad on Saturday, had four. Yeah. Like. I know it's a small thing, but how in the world, with how they're built right now, are you not funneling 25 to 30 touches to Miles Sanders? And why is Jordan Howard, who's been back for 36 hours or whatever it is, getting, like, he got back-to-back series. And I'm a Jordan Howard guy. I thought they should have kept him in the first place. But that's a different argument. But, like, there are things that are difficult, and then there are things that they go out of their way to make difficult and that's what i think you know the stuff i mentioned we talked about peters and the all sean jeffrey and the the lack of consistent touches for your one dynamic young offensive player and it's not that they're out of games like you like talk about the felt like they were 80 they were down 80 to 3 or whatever yesterday it's 14-3 at halftime it's one play from being a field goal game like it's and they just went they go away from Miles Santa. It's the same thing every week. And I just I I don't understand you know, we talked a lot about the quarterbacks. It's not all the quarterback. A lot of it's the play calling. It's the player development. It's it's in you know, injuries, but it's it's a mess. And I think the thing that's really depressing if you're an Eagle fan, as much as the NFL is a year to year league, it is hard to see them getting out. Of this mess, you know, in a year or two, you could really depress yourself looking at the cap numbers and looking at the their draft history and the state of the roster, and see a hard path for getting back to to respectability.
0: I sense you're losing confidence. All
1: right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> my friend, always a pleasure. Um, I will. Uh, I will check in. I'll send you some pictures from basketball to remind you of what it looked like.
2: Indeed. It's been a while. I miss being Uh, courtside.
0: As a listener, I miss hearing you. How about that? (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you very much. Take care. Matt Leon in Philadelphia, echoing the same words as Matt Catrillo in Sunbury. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory, great service department, great deals to be had from a sales staff that cares about your needs. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. Talk to Santa with the magic radio coming up tonight from 6 to 7. We're looking forward to that. City line basketball tonight at 9 o'clock against Virginia Tech in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then back in Beaver Stadium on Saturday for Penn State and Michigan State at 3 30. We're on Saturday beginning at 2 o'clock. Great to have you with us. Neil Kulon with us tomorrow. It's great to have you on board with us as we continue here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.